The CGA Tour, a podcast unlike any other. Now your host, Calvin Alexander. Welcome back to the latest episode of the CGA Tour. I'm your host, Calvin Glenn Alexander, and tonight I'm joined via Skype by Alexi Bulwark, recurring guest of the podcast. Alexi, how's it going, man? Calvin, what's going on, man? It's going well for me. Uh, You know, we always start this off by talking about the weather. Let's just say today was really freaking cold in Oklahoma, and it's supposed to be like 70 degrees on Saturday and Sunday. So there you go with that weather update in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I'll bet you 20 bucks there's, it's still colder here. Anyways, <laughs> let's go and talk about the um, the Astros. So, I mean, you're, you're the dude I come to when I'm talking about baseball stuff. And the Astros came out and made public statements today. Um, the president, I believe, as well as like Jose Altuve and a couple other guys have made statements. And at least from my perspective, they didn't really admit fault. There are a lot of memes being shared around of, you know, them going like, more or less, you know, I, I, I don't think we did anything wrong. There's at one point is an executive saying we don't really think this did anything. We don't really think this mattered, but yet they're still apologizing, which is, you know, if you don't think it did anything and if you don't think there's anything to apologize for, why would you be apologizing? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and then there's several other things with the Astros deal where, like, I'm seeing stuff now where the Dodgers warned the Nationals. Like, they wore, like, the Dodgers, there's a, Dod- there's a player that used to play for the Dodgers, now plays for the Nationals, and warned them, like, hey, Make sure you guys are not tipping your pitches. You're changing up your signs every single, you know, every single guy. You're doing multiple signs whenever there's somebody um, at the plate, even if there's nobody on second, so no one's like really peeking in, all type of stuff. What are your takeaways as far as today and what the Astros had to say about the cheating scandal? Yeah, I, I saw all this come out and I was expecting. A better apology but this was really just a oh hey sorry yeah it happened uh that's all we're gonna say for now let's move on like there was nothing like heartfelt about it nothing that's going to make you be like oh okay these guys actually did care they actually are really serious about you know their feelings here and and how they um cheated it it was just a completely weak apology like it, it was ridiculous I think they could have went about it way better. They could have had done something way better than what they did. They had months to prepare for this, and instead they come out with a phony um, type of apology that you know, oh, hey, sorry, yeah, maybe next time we'll we'll think better about this. So I thought it was really weak on the Astros' uh, standpoint, and they're just the laughing stock of the league right now. I mean, everybody sees it. Everyone around the league hates them. They're going to be ripped everywhere they go for you know road series i mean especially like in new york they're gonna they're gonna completely shred them the fans are just gonna crush them when they go there and i've seen a lot of things where people are like the the astros are gonna lead the league and hit by pitches because everyone's gonna be throwing at them for you know what they've done so i think today was just a prime example of what the houston astros organization is it's fake, it's phony, and that's what that's exactly what they did tonight um, by giving that fake apology for the oh yeah sorry we did it let's move on so I think I thought it was just a joke all all together. 
I feel like it's something that has to be said. They have to come out and say something, but they knew that. They knew they had to say something, so they're not going to say anything that's heartfelt. They're not going to say anything that, like, really expresses remorse. We're not going to see him crying, all type of stuff, because at the same point, they're not going to give up that 2017 World Series title unless MLB makes them. You know, they're not going to vacate it themselves. I don't blame them for that. But you're not going to see a lot of remorse out of these guys, in my opinion, just because they're like, hey, we won, we won our, you know, we won our World Series. Like, you're not going to take that away from us. And as well as I understand, like, them not showing a ton of remorse because they want to keep the 2017 one, that it is weird. Do you think that the Astros made their situation better or worse after today? Like, in them apologizing. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the apology, quote-unquote apology, was going to come sooner or later. There was going to be some type of apology. But I think that, honestly, this just made it worse. Um, people see what type of apology is real and what's fake. And I think they just saw this as a, oh, we have to apologize. Let's make let's just say a couple of good things and then move past it. So, honestly, I think it made it worse. I don't think they did anything in the situation to make it better. Like, yeah, people see they apologize, but like I said, they were expecting this to happen. And of course it came when spring training was coming around. So it was like, it was the perfect time to do it. But I still think if they were sincerely sorry about this, they would have said it way far in advance um, prior to spring training just to clear it so that when you get to spring training, there are no distractions, but they let it happen and take it to spring training. They've, do a weak apology, and yeah, I, I don't think it did anything for them. I don't think it did either. I knew it was going to happen. We knew we were going to see these guys. There was going to be a press conference no matter what. They weren't going to go a whole season without doing one post-game press conference or you know, one spring training press conference, etc. So we're no matter what going to see them talk to the media. But I also think this made it worse. I think that either the guys were not prepared well or... They knew this was going to happen, but, you know, instead of saying no comment or anything like that, I mean, it's just it's just goofy to me. Like, if, you, if this is going to be your apology, then you know what? Just put out a statement the minute it happens on your social media, like individually each player, and then just say, I will refer back to that or something and just disregard it. Because if you're the MLB, you want to move past this as quick as possible. And if you're a fan, honestly, like as a fan of baseball myself, I don't want to keep thinking about the Astros 2017 years. I don't want to think about the Astros this year. You know, I don't want to go like every single game go like, oh my gosh, I can't believe Altuve hit a home run at home. Oh, wait a second. Well, did he, you know, did he know, you know, or whatever. And the same thing with the Red Sox too. I don't want it to be a part of the game I like love to watch and grow up playing. But it's inevitable. The cat's out of the bag. We know exactly what they did. This is going to be a storyline for the next, you know, for the, for definitely this season, if not the next couple, especially as we learn Alex Cora still hasn't been, you know, suspended or whatever, all type of stuff, but officially by MLB. Granted, yes, the Red Sox, you know, parted ways with him, but we still haven't gotten that punishment handed down to him to see what's going to happen. And he was supposed to be the ringleader of the whole thing. So I'm still waiting to hear on that of, all right, what happens with Cora? What happens, you know, are the players really just, you know, not able to say anything? Or what was their agreement? Because I sure as heck aren't saying a lot right now, and they were granted immunity or whatever it was, I guess, um, that we hear rumors of and stuff. And 
yeah, if you're a player and you're granted immunity, like, yeah, I'm not going to talk either. But at the same point, like, you got to owe a little bit to the fans. You got to owe a little bit to the fans of, like, hey, sorry, you know, we try to gain a link up and clearly it's going to do it the right way, et cetera, and move on. But I don't know, man. It's um, it's tough. Yeah, it's it's something that I feel like they could have done better and they could have handled better. I mean, really, if, if they would have had a more sincere apology, I think, yeah, they have not made everything completely better, but I think people would have at least appreciated it, and that way they would have been like, okay, like these guys really, you know, care. But like I said, it was it was a really a half-assed kind of apology, and people aren't taking it. So, yeah. Well, um, one more MLB thing here. Did you hear about Arenado today? I did with the rumors about possibly getting traded to the Cubs. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're a Red I, Sox fan, so I know you're. It's a little tainted glass, but you're I'm usually pretty honest about this. I'm a what? Uh, did I say it's Red Sox? I meant Cardinals. <laughs> Everyone knows I meant Cardinals. My bad. No, you're fine. You're fine. I just was, I was like, did I hear that right? Um, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, my yes. bad. You're a big Cardinals, St. Louis Cardinals fan. There Memphis you go. Memphis Redbirds fan. Whatever. <laughs> Got three on the AAA bandwagon yeah. now too. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I did hear about those rumors. I, as I just said, they are rumors, and I did try to do a little bit more like in-depth investigating to see how true these could be. Honestly, I don't know how – got to take these with a grain of salt. Like, There's so many things swirling around right now. You've heard a lot about Mookie Betts before he was even traded. You heard a ton about Chris Bryant. I mean, I'm not going to go too crazy here about it, but I'll be honest – it would be an interesting move. Like I know the Cubs want to trade Chris Bryant potentially, um, since he's kind of shown that he wants a bigger contract, and the Cubs aren't willing to give that to him at the moment. So I could see where they might do that swap for Bryant and Arenado, but it still is just kind of weird because the Rockies have to realize that Bryant's going to ask for a ton of money after his two years, and it's the same situation with Arenado. So. I don't know. It's it's weird. I think it's just a big rumor right now. I, I haven't heard a ton of concrete information about it, so I won't go too far. But, I mean, if it happened, it would definitely help the Cubs a lot. Like Getting a guy like Arenado is just going to make your team even better. I think he's a way better player than Chris Bryant overall. But, uh, yeah, it would be an interesting trade. Don't know how serious it is at, at the moment, but I've heard all kinds of things, So so who knows at this point. Yeah, I would personally like to see it from a baseball perspective just because I think it's, I don't know, when when player movement happens, at one point, these guys aren't on my team, so I don't necessarily care what happens, but like, I think it's, yeah, resolve the situation and get done with it. You know, that's kind of what I'm looking for, right? Like, make Arenado happy, make Bryant happy, move on, and let's be done with this storyline yeah. because Arenado's been unhappy for a while, and... I don't know if he'll re pitch and catch head report this week, but I don't know if he'll report with position players or what'll happen. And you know, I mean, like the, the guy wants more money, and he you know, went to arbitration last year to get money, and yeah, I mean, money does run the world. So I don't, I don't know. Like, move on, Arenado. Like, let's get this right. Let's get this whole storyline wrapped up. You know what? Let's just trade you to the Cardinals at this point. I I would go crazy if that happened. I'd love it, but I'm with you. Like. Arenado clearly isn't happy. The Rockies 
probably aren't going to keep him once his opt-out deal is. So honestly, just do do the guy a favor. Do your organization a favor. Trade him. Get what you need for him before the season even starts. Don't have that distraction. Don't have these stupid question marks all over your heads all all throughout the season. Get it done. Just do it. Like I would love him to be on the Cardinals, but if it were to be somewhere else, then so be it. But whatever. Yeah. Well, I know it's um a little bit later at night here, so my voice is already fading, but I do want to bring up the topic. I think if Arenado decided, you know what, I could play second base, I could play the right side of the infield, he could make the best infield in Major League Baseball with the Padres. Tatis, Machado, and Arenado all at once, my guy. <laughs> yeah, I think you're I think you're reaching a bit here, buddy, but uh, uh I don't know if I reach it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, Mookie Betts almost went to San Diego, right? Yeah, so. but I feel like the I feel like the Padres were looking for more of a power guy in the outfield rather than middle uh, infield. Yeah, so, whatever, get sorry, out of here with these bad news stuff. Um, sorry to sorry to you know toot your horn down a little bit, but yeah, you want uh, to temper expectations on the Padres season. I understand. We got Tommy Pham. Hey, he's gonna hey, he's gonna honestly, bring us the World Series. Hey, to be honest, I do like that move. I think Pham is. He played with the Cardinals, obviously, got traded to the Rays, had a really good year with Tampa Bay. He's got motivation. Like, that's what keeps that guy going. Like, he's always got a chip on his shoulder. So, I think it's a good move. That was definitely a good move by the Padres because they needed somebody in the outfield. Guy plays the chip on his shoulder, always aggressive. I, I like the move a lot. Like, the Padres need a guy like him. Definitely. All right, well. Let's talk a little about this Oklahoma State basketball team. I know every podcast we've done has been MLB and <laughs> Cowboy basketball, but I'm going to keep up with the trend here as the Cowboys took down, um, at, went to Manhattan, Kansas, beat Bruce Weber and the K-State hey. Wildcats on Tuesday night, got another second of the season Big 12 win. What do you think? Hey, watch out. We are two wins deep in the big 12 so uh don't sleep on us we're gonna we're gonna make a big run here to, to close the big 12 no um yeah to talk positive for once about the cowboys is a good win i mean they went on the road and and got a w something they haven't been able to do in a while so uh beat kansas state uh all around i mean looked like they dominated the whole game which was awesome to see because for how bad they've played in the big 12 you, you couldn't say that much but yeah i mean They've won two out of three now, so maybe they'll win a couple more. I don't know. Their, their schedule is going to be tough coming up. they got to play Texas Tech this weekend, who's on a nice roll. But uh, at this point, any type of win is just going to be a bonus for your season. You're 500 right now at 12-12, and 2-9 and nine in the Big 12. Hey, we're two games back from Texas, and they are eighth in the – no, I'm sorry, seventh in the Big 12. So we could potentially get a seventh seed in the Big 12 tournament. Don't sleep on that. That'd be impressive and amazing, but at the same point, Texas Tech this weekend is going to be tough. I I do I do love the fact that URNA is leading the NCAA in three point percentage, minimum of one attempts, and he's hit that minimum. So he hit that minimum against K State on Tuesday, of course. So that's incredible. Um, yeah, can someone a little bit about that? The team looks a little bit better than I thought they would. The offense has come back a little bit. There's more all-around scoring, and I really did like the lineup of having Isaac, Lindy Waters, um, Jonathan Laurent, and I think one of the Boom Brothers, and I forget who the, um, I always came a Griff. I really liked that lineup. I think that was a solid, 
saw Joseph Boynton. He's kind of messed around with the line of the starting lineups, at least a little bit here and there. And yeah, he's messed around with every single lineup on the roster too. Um, but, I, but I mean, I like it. The, honestly, I had, I had forgotten a little bit about how that Ole Miss and Syracuse games went. And when I look at those box scores, it's impressive. And it's kind of weird to see this team struggle against, you know, struggle against K-State at home or TCU away or whatever. But it's a little bit of momentum, you know, play good against Texas Tech. Probably not win because Texas Tech's really good. The Big 12 is really good. They'll probably get seven teams in the Big 12 tournament this year. Excuse me, seven teams in the NCAA tournament, maybe six. Um, if But generally six to eight teams in the Big 12 every single year again to March Madness. And... I don't think we're any bit, any chance of doing that since we lost nine straight to start out the season, but, hey, or eight straight, excuse me, um, to start out the season, but you know what, I'm, I'm down to, you know, see what this team can do, and, I mean, it's literally, we're, we're, we're waiting for the year of Cade Cunningham, like, that is the goal, like, we're waiting for him, we're excited, it's, you know, the best possibility is that he takes the Final Four, or even better, oh my gosh, I could not imagine. But there should be a lot of roster turnover and a bunch of other stuff. Um, I mean, I'd love to see an Oklahoma State team just play their hearts out and beat the crap out of some teams just triumphantly like they did, you know, in New York. But ah, it's just not the team what it is right now. And I'll take a win. I'll take any win that I can get as Big 12, you know, as a Big 12 Oklahoma yeah. State fan. Yeah, the weird thing is they've probably played Baylor as good as anyone this year. Like, they almost beat Baylor at home, and then they went on the road and, you know, gave them a good game, too. So, it's weird. They, they're they playing well against some good teams, but then they just look like, completely, like, a, like a completely different team, which just shows that they're so inconsistent, and you don't know which team's going to show up. Um, but speaking of the Baylor game, did you watch any of that game? Yeah. Yeah, I watched, uh, watched a good amount of it. I mean, it, we kept it at least competitive. We they kept took, it competitive. Dude, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, we we kept it competitive. Mm-hmm. We were in the game. I mean, the refs at the end just. I mean, how do you oh. have four players foul out? That mm-hmm. was crazy. I talked oh about with Jake on the last podcast I did, uh. but I mean, you have four players foul out. Boyne gets ejected for the first time in his head coaching career. Um, it, it's insane, but I don't. <sighs> I'm not as mad about that game because Baylor is the number one overall team in the country. Like, if we're going to play a team that close and a team that good, it's not like it's not like it's OU, you know. It's not like it's Bedlam or KU at home when we usually have a good chance of beating them or whatever. I'm more than happy that it's Baylor we had this issue with and stuff. It just means that we were that close. We're really that close. Yeah, and what I was going to get to with that was – they played great. I mean, I was impressed with how they played on the road against the number one team in the country. But man, I was those that that officiating was just horrendous. And I hate blaming games um, on the refs, and I, and I don't blame the whole game on it. But I mean, at the end, it was just like, what are you calling? Like there was just like, like there was some weird offensive foul call on Isaac Likely going toward the rim, like literally going up for a layup, and they called an offensive foul. And there was li- I I watched the replay maybe ten times. I did not see any type of offensive foul. So there was a lot of plays. And like you said, four guys fouled out. Like, when does that ever happen? Boyton gets ejected from a game. I mean, he 
he he had to say something and do something because the officiating was so bad. Uh, but yeah, that was that was awful um, for the NCAA to have you know officiate officiating like that. It's, it's really embarrassing to me to see that still happen in the college basketball game. But can't really do anything about it. Uh, just can only hope that Oklahoma State finishes the season strong. And what's cool about college basketball is. It's not like college football where you lose one or two games, you're out. I mean, yes, I'm not saying Oklahoma is going to go to Oklahoma State's going to go to the Big Twelve tournament and win it. But what's cool is they have that opportunity. They could go to the Big Twelve tournament, win the tournament, and get into the NCAA tournament. Like that's that's a possibility for any team. So that's why college basketball is so awesome because you're never out until you literally lose that last game of the season in that tournament. So. Yeah, it's definitely what I like about college basketball as well. There's just so much randomness that can happen. On some aspects, that's why I love and hate March Madness, right? Yes. Like, mm-hmm. that Oklahoma State versus the last time we were in, yeah, I think the last time we were in the tourney, played Michigan in the opening round, and Michigan mm-hmm. and us were both really, really high seeds. Like, we were like 7 and 10 seeds playing each other or whatever mm-hmm. in that first round matchup. It was just two really good teams that had really poor regular seasons, but... I believe Michigan won their tournament as well to get in. I don't know. We came close, or maybe we – I don't think we won the Big 12 tournament to get in, but still. We, I th- we had a really good finish to the season. We won like yeah. eight of our last ten games, lost in the Big 12 tournament, but we, we finished the season really strong, and that's what was – that was the momentum going into it. Yeah, so that was awesome, but that's kind of why I love and hate like March Madness because when it's my team – it's like, no, I want to play a three-game series. I want to see a best of three or whatever, but it doesn't, you know. College basketball and pro basketball is not the same, and it's it's awesome seeing a UMBC, you know, Chesapeake Retrievers beat Virginia, and the next year Virginia won the whole thing. So it is it is what I do love about college basketball. The storylines, the competitiveness, the you never know. Like, one team can always just go out and win. But at the same point, like... Um, you know, I think we're, I think we're 30 years after, I think 20 or 30 years after the Buster Douglas versus Mike Tyson upset. I think I'm saying that right. Um, was like this past week. And I was going through with a couple of coworkers in the office of like, what's the greatest upsets of all time? And I believe it was a Darren Rovell tweet or an ESPN tweet. And it was basically like, you know, what do you rank? Is it the miracle? Um, you know, when USA beats Russia in hockey in the Olympics, is it, um, that Tyson Douglas, is it, um, I think, what were the other two? I think it's like, was it the Patriots versus Giants um, one year when the Patriots were undefeated? Mm-hmm. And then I want to say another one was um, something baseball-related, I think. But I, I kind of forget now I'm losing track. But either way, it was, you know, it's it's a good controversy and, um, and a kind of fun thing to see. But I don't I just... I love the randomness of it. I love the fact that, you know, any team could be another one. You could have that crazy upset of UMBC being Virginia, you know. But this team to run the table, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, and that's – you said it perfectly. It's the, the NCAA March Madness tournament is like a love and hate. Like you love to see those big upsets happen until it's your team. Like if until that happens, you're like, all right, this is not cool. Like I remember I, I was a big Mizzou fan growing up being from St. Louis and we were a two seed in 2012, 2013, some year. 
and they lost. It was like our best team ever, like awesome, like super excited. And they lose in the first round of Norfolk State, a 15 seed. I, I was like, I was just, I couldn't even like do anything the rest of the day. I was so let down. And that's what happens. Like you have that team that you love and then they get beat in the first round. You're like, gosh, screw March Madness. But then you see a team like Duke go down in the first round. You're like, all right, this is pretty fun. So love the randomness of it. Yeah. And it's always fun seeing like Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina lose in the first round because it's so unexpected. Oh yeah, um, or the second round or whatever. It's just it's, it's kind of fun the, to see like the underdogs really win. Like that's what March Madness I think is for. You know, it's for cool. that Butler playing Duke national championship. You know, and Gordon Hayward going out for a half court shot and almost making it to win the mm-hmm. game. Like I, I've watched that like SP Nation YouTube video several times about that Gordon Hayward shot. You know, for Butler against Duke, and man, so that goes in. Wait, if that goes in, we're still talking about that right now, and it didn't go in. If that goes in, oh my gosh, man, um, that, that would have been awesome. Yeah. So let's uh, let's. I guess probably gonna be a little bit shorter of a podcast tonight, honestly, just because it is eleven thirty-five uh, my time, PM. Gotcha. Um, not AM. I wish. But let's talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder a little bit here and cap it off, man. What have your thoughts been on the season? I see you wearing the bring your Thunder shirt tonight um, on the podcast. But, you know, I mean, basically, Chris Paul's the all-star on the team. The other notables is Steven Adams and a bunch of role-player guys. Uh, Danilo Gallinari, SGA have been great. But, you know, Thunder didn't make any, any moves of the trade deadline. Didn't trade anyone away. Didn't gain anyone. But I think they're currently 6th or 7th seed in the West. And, you know, going to make the playoffs, which I would not have guessed at all. Yeah, man. Uh, as we discussed in our last podcast... It's crazy to see where the Thunder at at this point in the season. I mean, before the season even started, everyone was like, oh, we'll probably be bottom of the league, get some draft picks, trade some guys at the deadline. But instead, they're 33 and 22. Like you said, probably going to make the playoffs as a six or seven seed. Depends on how that, how the season finishes. But man, it, you just love to see this. I mean, you trade your best player, and then you get a couple guys like Chris Paul, Gallinari, and the team's rolling. I mean, I don't know about you, but it just looks like the chemistry is there more than in recent years. Like they just seem to love to play with each other. I don't know. It's 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 definitely different. Like I know I love Russ to death, and he was so fun to watch. But it seemed like he just felt like it was all him and he, you know, had to put the team on his back all the time. And not to say that's a bad thing. It's just, that's how, that was his mentality. But now I feel like there's so many guys that can score and do things, which is helping the team be successful this season. So I think that's awesome. I mean, Gallinari put up 29 points tonight, 12 for 18 from the floor. That's, that's a great stat line uh, to get a big win on the road against New Orleans. Steven Adams gets his first three pointer, freaking throwing a baseball, basically. Through the hoop, did you see that? That was beautiful with the shimmy awesome. at the end. Oh so, my gosh! Yeah, man, this is. I mean, honestly, as a Thunder fan, it's pretty exciting. It's it's, it's fun to see. Uh, you really have nothing to lose this season with with everything and all the expectations that you had. So just keep rolling with it. I mean, keep doing what they're doing, and who knows what could happen? Maybe get a couple upsets win upset wins in the playoffs. You never know. Yeah, and the other thing I think about is that this NBA draft, from everything I've read and seen, is not an incredibly good NBA draft as far as talent-wise. So the Thunder 
I mean, at this point, are definitely not going to be top three seeds, you know, um, top three picks, excuse me, in the draft, top five. And it's like, let's just play our hearts out, see how good this does, and get the, some of the younger guys' playoff experience and see who they are. You know, see if there is somebody out there over the offseason who goes, you know what, I'll trade for Terrence Ferguson, or I'll trade for Diallo, or I'll trade for Burton, or Lou Dort, or whatever it is, and just kind of, like like as an NBA fan, of course, you know, I, I want to see competitive basketball and stuff, and I don't want the Thunder to necessarily tank, but... Like, you can keep pushing that goal line a little bit farther down the line. You know, you can keep having Chris Paul be an incredibly good, um, you know, great, great locker room guy, great representative of the team, all type of stuff, and have him keep playing out his contract while you know the team's not going to be incredibly successful. But, dude, I mean, the amount of picks that Thunder have in the draft coming, coming on are insane. And don't get me wrong, it'd be great. You'd much rather have a top five pick than a non-top five pick. But the non-top five picks get cheaper and cheaper salary, extend the line a little bit farther of the goalpost of when you need to go for it all, the whole thing. And it's a lot of fun. You're right. This season's been a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to see. I think a true, like, Billy Donovan offense as well. I think, I think with Russ, not that there were limitations, but it was like Russ's team. You know, it was Russ's team before Billy Donovan got there, et cetera, and... Yeah, but Russ's team, you know, for a while still is like, as I think of it, but Russ isn't there anymore. And the first season without him is not tanking. It's not, you know, bad. The Thunder are not, you know, oh, will they make the playoffs or not? They didn't trade guys uh, in or out of the deadline. Instead, this team's doing, doing pretty darn good um, with what I'd say is an older Chris Paul on the backside of his career and, you know, definitely some key role players and Steven Adams putting up some shots every night, too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And what I was going to ask you was, um, you were talking about draft picks. As of now, from the draft picks that they received in this last off season, who what's like the highest as of right now? Do you, are you aware of what that would be? Like what team? Because uh, honestly, I don't even know. Like what team could get the highest draft pick? Right. Like as of, that would be our that would be our draft pick. Oh, um. <sighs> So the, we have the Denver Nuggets pick this year. That's what we're Denver, trading Jeremy yep. Grant for. And that pick's going to be, you know, a worse pick than our pick. Um, right. So maybe you can bundle it or whatever. But I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah, that's something we'll probably just look at more toward the end of the year once standings are more finalized and see what teams finished, you know, finished where. But uh, Yeah, because I think from from my understanding, we, we have our this year – it's our pick and the Nuggets pick, and that's it. And okay. then the next couple seasons, it's like the Rockets, but it's actually the Heat's pick, and then it's the Clippers pick, but maybe also the Heat's pick, or you know, a little bit extra here and there. And then the Clippers agree to pick swaps or whatever. But dude, the, the I mean, I know the Clippers are being good for a while. They've got Kawhi, they've got Paul George. They're gonna make the playoffs for a while, and that's what I mean by good. But there's a very real possibility that the Kawhi and Paul George thing does not work out in two, three seasons. Allison, those picks are really good. And we're oh, staring yeah. at some like really solidly good picks because I mean, the Lakers are the Lakers. Like they're going to dominate LA. And at the end of the day, like if LA is going to get a guy, they're going to go to the Lakers over the Clippers for the foreseeable future. Just is how it is. Unless someone doesn't like playing with LeBron, of course, which 
I haven't seen that happen yet. I haven't seen somebody just go straight up, I'm not playing with LeBron ever again. I just seems like LeBron attracts the best talent around him, even if he doesn't put them in the best spotlight. Yeah, and um, like you had said um, regarding those those draft picks, we can only hope and pray that those Clipper, that Clippers team just blows up because if they if that doesn't work out and George and you know Leonard aren't there together or whatever, vice versa, that's where we could really win with some trade from those trade picks because man, if if they were to for some for some reason you know be way worse than what they are right now. Who knows? We could maybe get top 10, top 15 pick from that. And that's a win just right there because, you know, you weren't going to keep George. Who knows how long you were going to keep for beyond that. But um, another thing to go on of tonight's game, man, how about Zion Williamson? I mean, that guy's come back from that injury and he's just putting up points, 32 points again tonight. What do you think about Zion Williamson? I think he's incredible. I think he is the modern day Shaq. You know, if Shaq was playing today in today's NBA, he's the the size you want out of a guy, but still being able to be, you know, kind of move around with the ball a little bit better than Shaq and whatever. And yes, it's his rookie season. Yes, it's like less than 20 games into it, whatever. It's a big leap I'm making there in that, you know, in that comparison. But I love watching Zion. It's still a lot of fun to watch him play. And at the end of the day, like, He's, he's really, really good at basketball, but he's also a transcendent player. We haven't seen anyone feel like him before. So, I know it's kind of cliche. It's always used, but I'm I'm just excited to see him play. 32 tonight, career high, and <sighs> going out there, balling out. And who, who th- this is the one thing. It's like, who does, who, who guards Zion? Like, this is Dude, what every NBA team's going to be trying to figure out. He does a lot of spins. He does a lot of crafty stuff here and there. It's going to be easier to guard as they get more tape. But he's going to get better as well. You know, every offseason, I think he's going to get better. I think he's one of those guys. And he's a lot of fun to watch. But, like, also, who does he guard on defense? Is he your second or third best defender? Or is he, like, one of those guys where you just kind of stash him on you know somebody you know somebody who's not great or whatever like what do you do with him on defense because he's such a because he's such a weird dude like he's such a you know six six center (laughs) you know it doesn't happen every single day yeah no seriously i mean you you can really put him anywhere and the guy i feel like will perform i mean like you said as sure given the the shack comparison but man i mean for any type of player to come into the league like this and just dominate, I know it's early. It's only been a couple games, so right, we might be right. going too far ahead. But man, you see the the dominance he's putting on already just in a couple games. Like he's putting up points and he's doing it. He's not even. It's like no effort. Like he's just doing it easily. So it's pretty incredible to see. I mean, it, it's great for basketball. I mean, you know, LeBron obviously doesn't have tons of years left in him. So who's going to be the face of the NBA? It could be Zion Williamson once uh, once LeBron's done. So. Um, really exciting to see for the next couple of years if uh, he lives up to that type of hype. Yeah, I definitely think he can. Uh, I hope he does. But John Morant, him, um, Devin Booker still is very young. When I, oh, yeah. You know, um, there's a couple of guys in the league right now who are very young who could be Shea Gilgis Alexander, Thunder guy, mm-hmm. um, you know, Donovan Mitchell's. Pretty young dude. Yeah, he's not as young though because he did play a lot and he, he went to college for a couple more years. 
But, but yeah, like, these guys are younger, and they're going to be be the new face of the NBA. You know, you're going to see the Russ, James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, you know, whoever retire here in the next, you know, next five to ten seasons or whatever. I don't think LeBron's going to have any miraculous, like, play for what I, play forever type of thing. You know, he might play with his son for a year if his son makes the NBA roster, etc. But it's, um... I don't, I don't know, man. Like, it's a lot of fun to watch Zion play. A lot of fun to watch John Morant play. And I'm so happy I bought NBA League Pass this year. I got him with a couple buddies. That's been, like, a, an amazing thing to be able to just watch a ton of NBA every single night. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm i sure it is. Like, I, I don't have that NBA Pass, which, I mean, I, I watch the NBA. I'll watch, like, the games that are on national TV. But I totally understand what you are. Because, like, I, I have the MLB um, uh basically the same thing it's called mlb tv but mlb pass whatever and you can just watch any game so i definitely feel you there it's 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 cool to be able to see any type of game you want whenever you want and just you know watch basketball or watch baseball whatever you want to do so i love that yeah it's always awesome um but but yeah it's uh now we got all-star weekend coming up any expectations at all yeah any, no, no. any crazy dunks you think they're gonna happen we got a baseball guy coming into the dunk contest <laughs> yeah no it'll, it'll be interesting um i don't know i feel like i wish that there was more not not discrediting anything regarding the contest or anything but i still do kind of wish like more high profile players would would jump in there and like do it like i would love i know it's never gonna happen probably but I would just love to see LeBron James do the NBA con- the NBA dunk contest. I think that'd be so cool to see. And unfortunately, I don't think we'll ever see that. Like, I don't think he's ever done it, has he? It- no, he's never done it. But I think it's weird when you have the guy like Pat Connaughton, who I believe played in Notre Dame. It was drafted right. by an MLB team pretty high. Um, he's yeah. the baseball reference I'm making there. And now he's going to be in the NBA dunk contest. He supposedly is going to get Yelich to help him out with a, a dunk or something. I saw that. And get him roped yeah. in with you know, something I saw on social media. But I think all of it's fun. I think it's exciting. Yeah. But I, I cannot be more with you on, dude, John Morant should have done it. Or Zion should have right. done it. Or, you know, just I understand LeBron's not going to do it. And it's like, you know, yeah. 15th plus year in the league or whatever it is now. Russell Westbrook's not going to do it. James Harden's not going to do it. You know, all these, like, prime NBA guys that, you know, Giannis isn't going to do it, whatever. So let let the younger guys do it, you know? what? Why not, you know, may, maybe they did invite Zion and I didn't know, but I'm assuming they're not even going to try to invite him because the health-wise, but, I mean, it's just, it's just been a lot of fun to see Jaw do it and a lot of fun to see a bunch of other guys. Like, Yeah, that'd be awesome. And also, the NBA dunk contest, in my mind, you should always be able to have a chance to repeat. Like, like if you are yes. the previous year's winner, then they, you should be the fifth guy on there every single year. Just add another spot. Like, this is all for the fans. There's fan voting for the starters. There's all that type of stuff. Bradley Beal's going to average almost 30 points per game and not be in the All-Star game. You know, it's insane. It's never happened before. He's at like 29 points per game right now averaging. And he's not going to be in the All-Star game, which is the highest yeah. ever. I can't believe that. I was I was yeah. shocked to see that. But, like, this is all for the fans. So, you know what? Just add more stuff to it. I want to see a skills challenge where you've got to have Tristan Thompson 
and Montrose Harrell and Boban all being the skills challenge, you know? Like who is like who's the best out of those guys? You know? Nah, Which one of these totally like agree. seven foot tall dudes who can, you know, who's run up and down the court a little bit and stuff, but like doesn't have the best mobility? Which one yeah. of them's best in it? And maybe they don't want to try it because of injuries and stuff. And you know what? If that's why, awesome. Like, I understand. But this is this is like All Star Game, which is like an achievement. Glad Booker's now in it and whatever, but the, it's just it's just odd to me that every single year we have the dunk contest and we had that amazing year with Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine. But you know, Hamadou Diallo did really really good last year too. It's not talked sound about, but still, like it's just this is for the fans. Make it for the fans. Add you know what. I want to see a three-point shooting contest between um, some guys who would just you would never think could hit threes, right? Like, like let's see Steven if Stephen Adam. Adams in the three-point contest. <laughs> let's see if he can make, you know, let's I guess give him thirty three-point attempts and see if he can make five, you know, or whatever it is. Like, yeah, I see, cool I see some of these guys hit, you know, shooting threes in warmups. Why don't we have Ben Simmons versus Stephen Adams in three-point contest? See who makes more. I think it'd be fun. Joel Embiid versus Ben Simmons. Yeah, well, and Bleacher (laughs) Report wants to update us on Ben Simmons making eight three-pointers in a row, you know, in warm-ups. He's not going to shoot one in a game. Then what's the deal? What are we doing? No, I, I couldn't agree anymore. Could not agree anymore about that kind of stuff. Well, Lexi, I don't know if you can hear the train in the background here. But I definitely can, which means it's time for me to go to bed because it's almost midnight. So Put the alarm clock. That the the, <laughs> the classic almost midnight train here in Royal Oak, Michigan, is a good timing for me to know I got to turn off the lights and go to sleep. So, actually, thanks so much for joining me here on February thirteenth at eleven fifty three p.m. my time in Eastern Time Zone, and uh, please follow at the CJ Tour on Instagram and Twitter if you're not already. And we'll catch you guys soon. Thanks, Calvin.